We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Nation, welcome in the LakersNation.com podcast coming to you from Blue Wire Studios at the Win in Las Vegas. A lot going on in the Lakers season right now, but I want to jump ahead a little bit. Let's talk a little bit about the offseason. What is the Lakers' ideal offseason? We know it's going to be a very important one for the team. In fact, one that I've said multiple times could wind up impacting the franchise for the next maybe 10 years, potentially more depending on these future draft picks that the Lakers could use. Now, joining me to help break this down is Ron Gutterman from LakersNation.com. Ron, how are you doing? Doing good. You know, I am I am not at the Blue Wire Studios <laughs> at the Wynn in Las Vegas, but it looks like a great time over there. So, uh, yeah, I'm excited to be on. Ron, we've got so many different things to get into regarding this offseason, and I guess the m- most important place to start from it's Russell Westbrook. It's that, that contract that he's got, $47 million. No Lakers fans. He is not opting out of that contract. He is picking that up. That's going to happen. So let's start there. What do the Lakers do with Russell Westbrook's contract? Are we at a point where we feel like he has to be moved? He's played better the last few games. So where do you think we are with that situation? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm sure you, we've, we've talked about this a ton, but I, I just don't see a world in which he is on the team next season. It doesn't make a whole lot of sense to bring him back. Uh, He's, you know, not that he's necessarily been the problem, but there have just been a lot of problems, and those problems have stemmed from him being there and and sort of the the difficulty of building around him, both with his contract and with his play style. I I just don't think him and LeBron are are the fit that we wanted them to be. So I'd be really shocked if he was on the team next year. Okay, now I'm, I'm in agreement with that, but then what are you going to do? What are your options with that $47 million contract? That's, that's a lot of cap for a team to take on if you're going to try to deal him. So what, what can the Lakers do with this deal? Is there a way that you can move him? Or are they resigned to just waiving him and trying to stretch that salary? What's the best case scenario there, Ron? Best case scenario is like a really, really loose term, right? Like <laughs> I, I don't see... Uh... I don't really see any best case scenarios, but I, like, I think maybe the, the Lakers, you know, maybe they decide to wave and stretch, you know, that you get him to take back maybe five to $10 million in a buyout. 
so that he can go sign somewhere else. And then you stretch that, you get that to about $13 million a year for the next three years. You know, that's an option. Uh, of course, the, the best case scenario is probably finding a taker mm-hmm. for Russell Westbrook's contract that is maybe a team that has cap space or is a team that's willing to take on the risk for only one first round pick as opposed to two first round picks. Like the best case scenario is unlikely, but yeah, it's probably, you know, Russell Westbrook gets traded back to the Oklahoma City Thunder using their cap space and the Thunder only ask for one first round pick instead of two. Which, of course, we know the Thunder, they're going to want all the picks ever. (laughs) They're trying to catch them all at this point. But if you're able to do something like that, of course, we're talking about the 2027 first-round pick. That's the earliest pick that the Lakers actually have available. 2029 is another pick that they could add in. That's going pretty far into the future. So from an organizational standpoint, is that a concern if you're trading picks that far out? I mean, we're talking, look, LeBron's probably not human. He might be a machine at this point. We're not sure. 37 years old, and he's leading the NBA in scoring. But I think it's safe to assume that LeBron will not be on the team in 2027. So if you're Rob Palenka, are you worried about that future at all? Trading picks that far out, to me, that can get pretty dangerous. Yeah, I mean, if you're a fan of the Lakers, that gets pretty dangerous. But if you're Rob Palenka, you know, you're saying, why would I preserve picks for a GM that's probably not going to be me? <laughs> uh, like, I, GM GM's lifespans in this league are not are not crazy, you know, long. They don't, they don't last forever and ever. And and if you're Rob Palinka, you're thinking, why am I preserving picks for six years from now when it might not even be me that's running this team six years from now? So I think for him, it's more, let me get the best team I can right now. And if that means trading two first round picks, that means trading two first round picks. Like we saw what LeBron said during the all-star break, where it was like, I, I want a guy that can that is willing to trade picks to win. You know, that's that's kind of what it is. So for Lakers fans, it's not great. But for Rob Palenka, that's kind of the only way out for him to save his job at this point. So Russell Westbrook, if you do move on from him, Ron, one of the trades that you floated out there, you've said this on our show a few weeks ago, and now I'm getting questions every week from fans saying, what about that Malcolm Brogdon buddy heel deal with the, with the Pacers? <laughs> is that, if you had to add two firsts to that, is, do you think that's a plausible scenario if you've got an Indiana Pacers team that's looking to kind of turn the page a little bit, shed some future salary? Westbrook, of course, $47 million, That's a lot. It's a lot to try to match salary-wise, but it's at least it's, it's expiring. What, how plausible do you think that is? Because I, I know Lakers fans that were excited when we discussed that a few weeks ago. Yeah, I think it's possible, right? Like, for the Pacers, it makes sense. You get first-round picks. You get a player who realistically can help you. You know, the Pacers are not the type of team. They don't go full tank. They don't they don't tear it all down. So maybe Russ is the type of guy you bring in just to keep your team afloat. Mm-hmm. Maybe you make the play-in tournament. Maybe you don't. Whatever. But you get two first-round picks out of it. And you shed some future salary. Malcolm Brogdon is not the most reliable when it comes to health. Talent-wise, he's very reliable. But he's not the most reliable when it comes to his health. So... If you're the Lakers, maybe that's a deal worth considering just because it gets you two players that fit really well next to LeBron James and Anthony Davis, Mm -hmm. and it gets you away from Russell Westbrook. And it's like sort of probably the best collection of pure talent you can get with two first-round picks and a $47 million expiring deal. Okay, so let's say they, they don't find a trade for Russell Westbrook. There's nothing palatable out there. 
the Lakers are just finding that teams are trying to fleece them in a deal, which is very possible. I mean, this is kind of what happened at the trade deadline. Let's say you wave and stretch him. The, the silver lining to doing that, look, it's, it's bad. You wave, you stretch that salary, $13 million sitting on the books for the next three years. The Lakers are just getting off of Lou Aldang's contract July 1st. I've got, I've got my timer set. I've got a, an alert set to remind me, <laughs> finally, Lou Aldang's contract will be off the books, $5 million in dead money, gone. Now we're talking about adding $13 million for the next three seasons. That is difficult, but the silver lining has to do with Malik Monk. Malik Monk has been fantastic for the Lakers this season, still a young player, and he's going to command probably more than the Lakers can offer him. If you're able to stretch Russell Westbrook, that might open up the full mid-level exception for the Lakers to use, as well as the biannual exception, and allow them to pay $10 million-ish for Malik Monk, which is probably what his going rate is going to be. What do you think about offering that kind of contract to Malik? And that is that does getting him on that kind of deal, does that make it maybe more worthwhile to really consider just waiving Russell Westbrook if we just think it's, it's not going to work? Yeah, I mean, I'm kind of of the belief that the wave and stretch is not as bad as it sounds. Like, okay, maybe I'm going to regret that three years from now when, you know, it's July 2024 and it's like, oh man, the Lakers owe Russell Westbrook $14 million? <laughs> like, that's right. ridiculous. Um, but I think for now, it's kind of a good move, right? You can sign Malik Monk to a 10 plus million dollar deal. And then you have two first round picks that are tradable that you could go out and maybe get a real impact player because you're not attaching it to something that's seen as a negative, right? Uh, you could maybe attach it to Taylor Horton Tucker, who's an expiring contract. You could maybe attach it to Kendrick Nunn, who's an expiring contract, provided he ever plays basketball again. I don't really know at this point. Uh, so there are just things you can do that that it, it opens up a lot more flexibility if you just wave and stretch and say, all right, we're just going to pay $13 million to a ghost for three years. Yeah, that's, that can certainly be a challenge, but Malik Monk on that kind of contract, maybe not so bad. And of course, the reason why you open up that money is because what happens is if you use that full mid-level exception, it triggers the hard cap. And that makes you have this ceiling that you can't go past in terms of your salary structure. So the Lakers, they couldn't trigger a hard cap this year. They couldn't use their full mid-level. Instead, they had to use their taxpayer mid-level, which came in just over $5 million. That's what Kendrick Nunn got was that $5 million deal. And so if the Lakers keep Russell Westbrook on their books, they most likely can only use that taxpayer mid-level once again. Whereas if you're able to clear up some of that salary, that then makes it a little bit easier to trigger that hard cap and not worry about hitting the ceiling. I mean, this season with Russell Westbrook on the books, the Lakers literally wouldn't have been able to fill out their roster. They, would, they wouldn't have been able to continue to sign these guys like Carmelo Anthony and Trevor Ariza and, and Wayne Ellington to these veteran, uh, veteran minimum deals because they would have hit that, that cap ceiling. So that is the silver lining, perhaps, to stretching that Russell Westbrook contract. But from there, from there, let's jump to LeBron and Anthony Davis. Those two contracts are probably going to be on the books, but I've had a lot of Lakers fans that have been asking me, if you're the Lakers this offseason, do you actually take a look, given how poorly the season has gone as a whole? Now, again, they've had a better stretch recently. We've seen them win some games, looked a little bit more impressive. But if things look particularly bad this offseason, do you consider moving either of them or, or both of them? Should that be even in the mind of Rob Palenka at all? I mean, like, <laughs> my, my personal opinion is no. Why would you trade them, like, what are you going to get for LeBron James and Anthony Davis? You're not getting equal value back. You're going to get you're going to get lesser value than what than what they're really worth because they're LeBron and AD. 
And I, it just, it doesn't make a whole lot of me, you know, I guess if you're Rob Palinka, you don't hang up the phone. Like you obviously listen to offers because if someone comes in with some crazy godfather offer, uh, sure, like you consider it. But for the most part, like there's pretty much nothing that 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 would be offered that is worth taking a chance on. So I think you just, you have LeBron and AD. It's a duo that's won you a championship. Stick with them and try your best to build out a real roster around them, not just a collection of players. Get get a real roster that fits together and makes sense on a basketball court. Okay, I'm, I'm in agreement with you there. We do not move LeBron. You don't move Anthony. I know there's Lakers fans that are frustrated with Anthony Davis and the, the injury-prone label and all of that kind of stuff. But we know the top-end talent, it's there. These are guys that, that can lead you to a championship. So build from there. If the Lakers are going to build out their roster around LeBron and Anthony Davis, I think last season they found some names, but they didn't find the right skill sets. They didn't find the right guys to really put around them. So what is it, Ron, that you are looking for if you're Rob Palenka? We head into this offseason. What is it that you're looking for to put around LeBron and AD, assuming Russell Westbrook has moved, whether it's via trade or, or via buyout, what are you going to put around them in order to build out the roster for next season and get you to where you want to go? I mean, like, th- this is kind of a, it's, it's silly because, like, we already have seen this, but how about three and D wings? Like, I don't know. Just <laughs> what a concept. A few of them. <laughs> what, what a concept. Surround LeBron with shooters. I wonder if anyone's ever thought of that before. Uh, no, I mean, like, yeah, you you go, you get some you get some guys that can shoot the three, play defense on the wing. They can guard bigger wings. You maybe get one or two centers as sort of an insurance policy. Uh, you get athletic centers, not like DeAndre Jordans that can't really move. Like you go out and get athletic centers. You know, Damian Jones, I think, is going to be a free agent this offseason. Like maybe you get him back. That's my guy. Uh, when you Gabriel, guy. I like it. That's your guy. Yeah, when <laughs> Gabriel is is proving that he can kind of hold down the fort a little bit with his athleticism. Like maybe he sticks around. Uh, so maybe you get those types of guys, but for the most part, like uh, just three and D wings, like that's what it is. Three and D wings. And then maybe, you know, if you have Malik Monk, I don't necessarily think you need a true point guard because we saw in 2020 when they won the championship, that team didn't really have like a true, true point guard outside of Rajon Rondo. And of course, LeBron James. So I think, if you have Malik Monk, that kind of solves that issue a little bit. The, the who controls the offense when LeBron's off the floor. And then you fill it out with three and D wings. You know, your Contavious Caldwell Popes, Kyle Kuzma's, <laughs> oh, no. Harrison Barnes type of guys. Like, you know, it's silly. But yeah, that's where we're at. <laughs> Basically back to where we where we were just less than less than a year ago now. Just, just yeah, re- rewind yeah. everything, undo, get the DeLorean, get it up to 88 miles per hour, go back and, and stop everything that happened last offseason. You know what? I, yes. I'm, I'm not going to disagree with you on, on any of that, Ron. I do think that is, that's, that's the formula. You surround, surround LeBron James with guys who can shoot threes and defend at a high level, and, and off you go. I do want to ask you, though, about the, the Malik Monk comment. So you're saying that you would trust Malik Monk to be your secondary ball handler. I, I think he can be your secondary attacker if LeBron's on the floor, but you're saying LeBron's off the floor. Malik Monk, here you go. Here's the ball. Run the offense. You're going to be comfortable with that versus bringing in a better, maybe even if you just keep a DJ Augustine or something like that, you'd rather put the ball in the hands of, of Malik Monk. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. 
Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You know, I think between Malik Monk, Austin Reeves, and Taylor Horton Tucker, like the three of them combined can kind of be a point guard. Like we've seen that a lot with with Reeves and Monk together this in the last, you know, month or so, where when they're on the floor together, they sort of combine into this like this combo guard that's two of them, right? Like yeah. Reeves has shown that he's actually a really good passer. Uh, Malik Monk is an excellent ball handler. He's a great attacker. He's a great scorer. Austin Reeves, great at moving without the ball, passing, shooting. Like he, they, they kind of combine to do those things. So I feel like, you know, if you if you can get a guy like, you know, what Rajon Rondo brought to the 2020 championship team, if you can get a guy that kind of does that in small doses, uh, you know, that's fine. But during the regular season, and I think for large stretches, like you can get away with Malik Monk and Austin Reeves sort of combining to handle that. Kind of recreate a, a point guard in the aggregate just by having those guys who at least have somewhat of that skill set. Uh, I'm glad you mentioned Austin Reeves because we do need to talk about him. The, the Lakers, for as much as we look at this team as, oh my gosh, this is the oldest team ever and it's all old legs and, and all that, they do have some interesting young players. Austin Reeves is certainly one of them. Stanley Johnson, Wenyan Gabriel you mentioned as well. These are some guys who they found, guys who we didn't expect to be part of the rotation. Some of them weren't even on the team. I mean, Austin Reeves, when he was signed, certainly wasn't expected to be part of the rotation. And here he is. He's been, I mean, arguably the most important player coming off of the Lakers bench. He's been tremendous for them as an undrafted player. What are you doing with those three guys in particular, with Wendy Gabriel, with Stanley Johnson, with Austin Reeves? Are you hanging on to them? What do you, what do, you do there? We know Wendy Gabriel would have to be converted to a full contract. Can't be on another two-way next year. So what are your thoughts on those three guys specifically and what role they can play for the Lakers moving forward? Bring them back. I mean, like it it sounds, yeah, it sounds like it sounds reactive to sort of, you know, the last month and being like, Oh my God, these guys are the only ones that try bring them back forever. Lifetime contracts. But like they, they are the types of players that fit on LeBron James teams. And if you, if you make Stanley Johnson and Wenyan Gabriel, if you just stick them in a gym together and say, you're not allowed to leave until you've made 10,000 threes. Like, you know, they could be pretty reasonable Ten, guys next 10, year. 10,000 like, threes, only... Ron? <laughs> hey, <laughs> how, how, many threes, how many threes do you think an average, like, shooter makes during a summer? During a full oh, over Oh, over a full right? summer? I thought you were talking about, like, trying to do it in a, in a, in a shorter time span. No, no, over, no. You, you lock summer, them in sure. the gym. You bring meals to them. You lock them in the gym, and they're not allowed to leave the gym until the ten thousand are made, even if it takes three months. You they're know not, that that's how it is. They're not going to go back in a bubble, Ron. They're not. For the Lakers' sake, they, 
<laughs> no, I, but those guys, like if Stanley Johnson and Wenyan Gabriel have even a even a serviceable three point shot, mm-hmm. they're like they're great fits for the Lakers next to LeBron and next to Anthony Davis. They provide size, they provide strength, defense. You know, they're not great shooters right now, but they both have shown like flashes of hitting threes, which is nice. And then Austin Reeves, of course, should be back because he's he's the exact type of player that fits well next to LeBron. You know, similar to what we saw with Alex Caruso, like it's just the type of player that works around him where you can you can play good team defense. You can shoot the ball a little bit. You can you know, you can get yourself open, make plays for others, high IQ, like, the, you know, all, all the platitudes that we like to say. Uh, that, that's just kind of a perfect fit. So I think all three of those guys should be back unless, you know, you're basically rebuilding the 2020 roster and there's no room for them anymore. Like, those three guys should be priorities. And I think it should be noted, too, Austin Reeves and Stanley Johnson, both team options for next season. So all the Lakers have to do is say, yes, you're back, and that's it. Uh, Wenyan Gabriel, you're working a new deal. But probably we're talking about veteran minimum type stuff from Wendy and Gabriel anyway. Yeah. And if you're going to sign guys for veteran minimum contracts, you want to have guys that have a little bit of burst left. Uh, I think that's one of the things, one of the takeaways really from this season has been, yeah, they got some names, you know, your Trevor Ariza's and, and players like that, Wayne Ellington. But if you're going to give somebody a veteran minimum contract, you want it to be somebody who's, who's got a little bit more physically left in the tank, particularly to surround LeBron James with. And those three young guys in particular have hit for the Lakers and hopefully they can continue to, to move in that direction. I do want to talk a little bit about one other young Laker that I didn't put in that group, and that's because he's already got the contract, and that is Taylor Horton Tucker. It's been overall a disappointing season for THD. The Lakers paid him. He's now the fourth highest paid Laker on the team, and there was an expectation that he was going to raise his game to a certain level. have not seen that, and maybe some of that was unfair. The Lakers, I mean, outwardly pegged him as this wing stopper that he was going to suddenly become, that he was going to become their best wing defender when he hadn't shown any of that previously. So maybe some of the expectations that were placed upon him were a little bit unfair. But, Ron, what is the future for Taylor Horton Tucker with the Lakers? Is he just salary ballast in a trade this summer? Is he somebody that they should still try to invest in for the future? What do you think they do with him? Because I think he's a really fascinating one. I think, obviously, you listen for trades for him and you maybe even go offer a few, you know, see if anyone's interested in taking him on at, at, at an expiring deal. He's 21 years old. You know, there's, there's some positives to him. Uh, I think the biggest issue is the role they gave him this year and then putting him next to Russell Westbrook, who he's just a terrible, terrible fit next to like he makes his game makes no sense next to Russell Westbrook's game. And so when you have both of them on the roster, Russell Westbrook's obviously going to take priority in terms of playing time. So it means THT kind of falls into the background and it leads to a disappointing season. But it's not because he, you know, lacks that talent or he doesn't have, you know, he's not the prospect we thought he was. He's still a solid prospect, but he just got put in a situation that was no win for him because he was never going to outplay Russell Westbrook and get minutes instead of him. And he's on a contract that many kind of view as a negative because he's making $10 million when he's a prospect and not a, a, a bona fide NBA player yet. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see what the Lakers ultimately do. I think just, I mean, he's 21 years old. Naturally, he's probably going to be better next season than he is last season and in the same yeah. two seasons from now. There's going to be just organic growth there from him. But are the Lakers in a situation where the skill set maybe doesn't you know, fit with what they want to do? 
and they decide that they need to make a move there. And if you're going to make a move that's not a Russell Westbrook trade, if there's something else that you can do on the trade market, it almost has to, just given the Lakers' salaries that they have on the books right now, it has to involve that contract of Taylor Horton Tucker, as well as perhaps Kendrick Nunn, who we talked about a lot at the trade deadline. Kendrick Nunn, again, on that $5 million deal, $5.2 million next season, we came into the season assuming he wasn't going to pick up that option. He's missed the entire season now. Almost a guarantee that he does pick that up. So you'll have those deals to play around with on the trade market, and we'll see if the Lakers can work something out for those two guys. Uh, last player we need to talk about, though, Carmelo Anthony. Carmelo, the one veteran Laker that really that hit this season that has provided some big moments for the team. He's not perfect. There's Teams pick on him defensively and all of that, but, but Melo at his yeah. age, the production you get from him, the three-point shooting has been one of the better three-point shooters on the team. What do you do with him? He's on a veteran minimum. Is he a guy that you want to bring back? It, it depends on, you know, where you go with the roster, but, you know, I, I think I think there's a benefit to having him around, you know, sort of in that Markeith Morris role from the 2020 team. Markeith Morris, slightly better defender at the time. Uh, but, you know, kind of that role where it's a hybrid four or five uh, that just comes in and hits shots. Like, that's that's what Carmelo Anthony is at this point in his career. And I think he could really work for the Lakers. So I think, you know, 15 roster spots, I'm happy to have him back on one of them. But the problem the Lakers had this year was, and, and you you touched on it a little bit, was way too many veterans that, you know, maybe could provide something if they still had something left in the tank. like. What I liked about the 2028 team and even last year's team was veteran minimums were meant for guys who could contribute in small doses or players who we knew weren't going to play, but were just there to provide locker room leadership like Jared Dudley. And I think that's what veteran minimums are supposed to be. It's not supposed to be get as many big names as you can and just pray they have something left in the tank because you're paying them $1.5 million or $2.5 million. I think that's a really key point that you made there, Ron, especially because when we're looking at the veteran minimum guys that were on the championship team, what made that work was each and every one of them came in with a defined skill set, something that they were already known for in the NBA. This is simply what they do. This is who they are. We didn't really see that this season. So having that defined skill set is going to be really important moving forward. And Carmelo Anthony, I think, could be part of that depending on how the rest of the roster is made up. And of course, depending on, Car on Carmelo. I mean, Carmelo Anthony might just say, this is it. I'm calling it a career. And if that's the case, more power to him. Congratulations on a wonderful career, Car Carmelo Anthony. But if he wants to play, I think he's got the talent. I think he's got the ability to continue doing so. And I would like to see that with the Lakers if that's the decision that he makes. And we'll have to see what he determines there. But let's wrap up with this, Ron. Uh, the, the coaching spot. It's, uh, there's already speculation about who might coach the Lakers next season. Are we under the impression now that Frank Vogel, the clock is ticking, this is going to be it for him and he won't be coaching the team next year. Yeah. <laughs> I think even more so than, than Russell Westbrook, I would like, I love Frank Vogel. I think he's a really quality coach. I think he's a top 15, 12 coach in the NBA. Like I think he's a really good coach and he's a good coach for LeBron James specifically. I really like him there, but at this point I would be, I would be stunned if he was back with the Lakers next season. Like, I, I would be floored. I, I wouldn't even know what to say because that's like everything is pointing towards him leaving. Everything is pointing towards the Lakers sort of scapegoating him. Uh, it just feels like it's all leading that direction. And even if that's not what I would do, that's just what's happening. So it, it's, it's disappointing, but I would be shocked if he was back next year. 
Well, I mean, Ron, I know, and you like Frank Vogel, and I, and I do too. I think he's got his qualities as a coach. But isn't it also fair to say that Frank Vogel, while this team doesn't match his skills as a coach at all in terms of a defense-first guy, this is, this is probably the most opposite you could create a team for Frank Vogel as compared to what he would actually want on the team. But I also think it's fair to say that Frank Vogel probably hasn't taken the pieces that he got and improved upon them. We see these teams in the NBA that are just, they're better than the sum of their parts. And I don't think Frank Vogel did anything to really enhance the pieces that he's got on the roster this season. I think that's fair criticism. And so because of that, I, I also wouldn't be surprised if they moved on from him. If the Lakers were performing a little bit better, you could say, look, they've had all these injuries and things like that. And look what Frank Vogel accomplished with this. But I think they, they just, they didn't really grow to the degree that we thought this team would. And we never saw them really hit another level where the coaching really picked them up and got better out of the team. Yeah, but here's where I kind of disagree, though. I, I think I think the Lakers roster, the way it was built initially, was so, I don't want to say so bad that it was unfixable, but Frank Vogel was not going to be the guy to like get more than the sum of the parts because the roster wasn't built like that because it was all veterans who are like, I've accomplished so much in this league. I don't need anything to prove like that. Those are not types of guys that you, you maximize as a head coach. Those are guys that just perform how they perform. Um, and you can see in the last month when it's been more young guys, more Malik Monk, more Austin Reeves, more Wenyan Gabriel, more Stanley Johnson. You see that the team is actually having some really good moments because now Frank Vogel has people that are willing to work with him and willing to, you know, be like if you think of a guy like Kent Bazemore or Trevor Reza or Wayne Ellington, mm -hmm. Frank Vogel, what is he going to maximize in them? Like these are not guys that have anything left in the tank and these are not guys that feel that they need to prove something. So th th there's nothing for him to maximize there. And I think once he found a unit of, of players that were younger and had something to maximize in their game, you saw what happened, right? Like Stanley Johnson and Wenyan Gabriel were like basically out of the league and now they're playing really well and playing like actual NBA rotation basketball. Uh, Austin Reeves went from undrafted rookie to two-way contract and now he's like starting and playing incredibly. So I think, I think Frank Vogel has maximized a lot of people, but it's not the players that were initially on the roster back in, you know, October. Well, that's true. And that's something that has to be, be factored in is what is the dynamic between the veteran players and Frank Vogel? Were there, were there, was there resistance in terms of making changes to games in order to fit? And we've talked about fit being so, so important for this team. I will say, regardless, if Frank Vogel is gone, the, the thing that I will miss the most is this man is a master of the press conferences. I, and I've been in just about all of them throughout, yep. throughout the season. I've never seen him get, get flustered by any question that's been thrown at him. It is, it's incredible. He flips even the most pointed question into saying exactly what it is that he wants to say. He is fantastic. From an organizational perspective, I'm sure the Lakers are very happy with how he handles himself there. That's something that can be important to teams as well. But Ron... This has been look. This has been obviously a, a pretty informative show, I think, in terms of outlining exactly what the Lakers are looking at for this offseason. It's going to be an important offseason, and I want to thank you for coming on here and joining me and helping me break all this down because it's going to be, and there's a lot of moving pieces, and there was a lot that we had to get into today. Yeah, there's, <laughs> there is a lot. I think the Lakers have like, like 
10 free agents and like none of them are people I really want back <laughs> with the exception of, you know, Carmelo Anthony and Malik Monk, like we talked about, like it's basically just rebuilding an entire roster from scratch and your starting points. It's one of the best starting points in the league that you could ask for. It's LeBron and Anthony Davis. So if you're looking for some hope, Lakers fans, you're starting from scratch and your scratch is a, is a starting from scratch that like 27 teams would be dying to have. They would love to start a team with LeBron and AD and build from there. So even though there's going to be some difficult logistics and it's probably not going to be ideal and perfect because the starting point right now is so bad, like so you know out of whack and so difficult to work with, um, there is some good here. And it's LeBron and AD. And you know if you believe in Taylor Horton Tucker, Kendrick Nunn coming back healthy, uh, working to get Malik Monk back, there, there's some pieces there. Stanley Johnson, Austin Reeves, there's some good stuff. Absolutely, and we'll see what Rob Blake and the Lakers front office can do this summer. But as Ron mentioned, it's going to be a busy, busy offseason. And that means it's all the more important that you do subscribe to the Lakers Nation YouTube channel. Turn on those notifications as well, because we're going to have a ton to break down. And we know the season's not over yet, but there's already rumors going to be coming out. We already had the Quinn Snyder rumor about the head coaching job. These things start coming out early. So make sure you turn on those notifications. Get notified every time we bring out a new video. And then, of course, don't forget, over on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever it is that you listen to podcasts, you can follow the LakersNation.com podcast. And we certainly appreciate all those ratings and reviews. Till next time, everybody. See ya and stay safe. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.